0: Verse 17 of chapter 1. I'm going to read 17 through 23. As he says, I'm praying for you. Here's what it says I'm praying that God, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which you are called. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, which we talked about last week, that inheritance, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe. According to the working of his might that he worked in Christ when he raised him, from the dead, and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places, far above rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, that's why we pray in Jesus' name, not only in this age, but in the one to come, and he has put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. Jesus is the head of authentic. I get to serve as an under-shepherd. The head of the church is Christ. He gave him head over the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. When we pray, there's two primary things begin to happen and here's why I want to call you to a life of prayer I don't need you to lock yourself into a room this week and pray for nine hours what I need is everywhere you go just to be in a mode of communication with God prayer doesn't mean you're on your knees and your hand is folded it might mean that or it might not it may mean that your eyes are open and you're fully focused driving down the road and at the same time you're communicating with God it may mean that you're sitting there at a time meeting with someone at a coffee shop and they're sharing things to you and you don't even know what to say back. And so you're just there and you're listening and you're saying, God, tell me how to respond. Prayer may mean that you're, you're in a relationship and you're trying to love somebody well and you don't know how to love them well and you're asking for God's guidance. Prayer may mean you're at your job and someone is driving you nuts or you've been given an assignment. You have no idea how to do it. And so you pray and you say, God, give me help to know how to do this. But it doesn't mean you're throwing things up somewhere into the sky and maybe God's catching them and then you run around until he throws something else back down. It's a conversation. It's a relationship. It's a communing with God. And there's two primary things that happen when when we begin to do this. The first one is you'll see in the text in verse 17 that wisdom and revelation begin to enter into our lives. We make a lot of decisions throughout a day, throughout a week, throughout a month. And the important reason to pray is not to check a box and say, hey, I prayed for it. And if God wants me to stop, then he'll close the door. Let me just tell you, church, that when doors open, sometimes we walk through them and sometimes we don't. As we get more mature in our faith, we realize that every open door doesn't mean that God opened it so we walk through it. When we were young in faith, an open door was a chance to follow Christ. And it made sense, so a door opens and we go through it. But as we grow in our faith, five doors may open. How do we decide which one to go through? We don't check a box to pray. We're praying for wisdom and revelation. Wisdom, open up the Proverbs and read the wisdom of God. Revelation, the Holy Spirit to speak to you in a profound way, through inside you just know, in your mind, through a relationship. Has anyone ever given you advice and you're like, That was good. I really needed that. That was revelation probably. If you're a believer and that rang in your spirit, it rang true in your spirit, that was revelation coming from them. And if we don't take time to pray, and the only time we do pray is when we're we're at a crossroads and it's like, I don't know whether to turn right or whether to turn left, so I better pray quick. Then how are we gonna be walking in the wisdom and revelation of Christ? How are we going to be walking in the wisdom and the revelation of the Holy Spirit? We're not. We're going to be walking around and throwing up prayers, hoping that they land somewhere. That's why when I say that prayer is powerful, some of you in the room thought, I'm not sure. I know it says it in His Word, but in my heart, I'm not sure if it is. I'm not sure if my prayers are powerful. Maybe it's because we're not walking in the wisdom and revelation because we're not praying. It's a cycle that continues to go. If we'll pray, we'll walk in wisdom and revelation. And as we walk in wisdom and revelation, we know how to pray. So we keep praying. And so we have more wisdom and revelation. And then you know what we do? We know greater how to pray. So then we keep walking in more wisdom and revelation, which gives us a greater insight to know how to pray. And it continues to build and grow. And our prayer life begins to get stronger and stronger and more powerful as we seek the presence of God. When we pray, it opens up opportunity for the wisdom and the revelation to be in us, to come out of us. The second thing that happens, again, I'm not saying these are the only two things, but look at the text, I'm just... See, what does he say right after he's praying for them? Verse 18, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, it says, that you may know the hope to which you were called. How immeasurable and great and glorious your inheritance and the power that is towards you because you believe and the working of God's might, that you may know having the eyes of your heart enlightened. When you pray, your eyes are open to God. You may, you may have a terrible relationship with somebody, it may not be going well, and there's dysfunction, or, or you had a big argument with your spouse, or you had a big argument with this family member, and there's, there's strife, and this, the enemy's trying to sow discord, and you know what you can do? You can pray. Did you know that? And when you pray, your eyes are opened to see how God sees. And you may see, oh, you know what, I, I took it the wrong way, or I said the wrong thing. Or your eyes being open now that you can see clearly, you may see, this is what I can do. This is what God's doing in this. He was, I, you know, maybe I'm mad at him, and maybe it all happened, and maybe it was real, but he was, he was revealing some insecurity, or some hate, or some anger, or some frustration, or some long-time hurt inside of me, because now I've prayed, and my eyes are becoming open to see what God sees, and what he wants me to see. But when I'm too busy to pray, then I'm too busy to see. That's what I was doing in this room just earlier. We were worshiping, and I was looking, and I was seeing. God, show me. I want to see what you see. Don't you want to see what God sees? You already know what you see. And if you focus on what you see, what you see is everyone else that's doing the wrong things all the times that you're in traffic and how the food doesn't cook or get here fast enough. We know what you see. I know what I see, okay? Everything's just too slow. Things need to speed up. That's what I see. But when I pray, God opens my eyes to what he sees. And I can begin to see what's wonderful. I can begin to see how God has called people. I can begin to see how he set them apart. I can begin to see that even when I'm waiting a whole three minutes for something to microwave in the microwave, that God's goodness can still be there. I begin to, I begin to see how his plan is unfolding. I begin to see I'm not stuck God's working in me. I begin to see that it's not all bad, that God brings good out of what seems hard. I begin to see that there's other people living for Jesus. I'm not the only one. I begin to see that there's other churches that are worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I begin to see that people do want to know the heart of God. I begin to see that miracles are happening. I begin to see that healing is taking place. I begin to see people are getting set free because I'm praying and now I can see He's opening up my eyes. We're not just going to talk about it. We're going to do it. That's the kind of church we are. You saw us praying in here earlier. You got a friend that's sick? Bring him. Let's see him get healed in Jesus' name. We were here We were here doing the master class on um, Wednesday night, and Gina came up to me, and I asked her permission if she would share. I'm going to come back to you there in a second, Gina. She came up to me right here, and she was sharing with me that her husband, Vincent, who's sitting back there too, wanted to come to the master class, but that his hips were hurting so bad he couldn't get out of bed and come walk and come to the master class. And so I grabbed a few people that were nearby and we grabbed Gina's hands and we prayed. We prayed, God, bring healing to his hips. This is our first response. Do we need to go to the hospital later? We can work that out. Do we need to be finding some ways for some surgery to happen? We can work that out. But our first response is gonna be prayer. And you can only pray at the level of your faith. And you can only have a level of your faith to which your eyes are opened. And your eyes will only be opened if you pray. Do you see how it works? And so we stood here and we grabbed hands and we prayed. And I prayed a very simple prayer. I prayed, Lord, loosen his hips and let him walk. Bring fullness of healing. And then I sent Gina on a bold mission. I said, you have to go home. You have to take your hands. You have to put them on your husband's hips. And you have to say, we prayed for you. Your hips are healed. Hard work, man. Like, she's driving on the way home, thinking, "What if I'm wrong?" So, Gina, what happened? You want to stand up, so everyone can see her beautiful face. Hey, everybody, this is Gina. Hi. Yeah. How's everybody? She prays. I did. I went home and Vince was in bed. It was late, so we're old. We go to bed early. <laughs> Plus, that guy teaching the master classes kept yeah. going and going, oh, it, right? Yeah, oh, wouldn't yeah, shut it was up. Amazing. Oh, okay. okay, okay, okay. I'll definitely be here Wednesday. Okay, we will both be here Wednesday. Um, and I just simply laid my hands on his on each side of his hips, and I prayed very much like we did, very close to the same prayer we prayed here. And that night, not so much, but the next morning he got up and he was feeling. Much, 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 And did he walk around the next morning? Yes, he did. All week long. All week long. And there he is. Hallelujah. Woo! He's not sitting over there because he's mad at Gina, by the way. <laughs> he's sitting over there because I asked him if he would keep us safe as security until we build up our fullness of security team. So he's keeping an eye on us. You're safe because Vincent's in the back. You're safe because someone went home to their husband and believed in the power of prayer and prayed for their hips and then he got up. I know that lots of people in the room think, well, when a pastor prays for somebody, something can happen. Yeah. When you pray for someone and you pray for something, things can happen. Because the, the power of prayer is not limited to a stage, a platform, or a microphone, or a person, or the or the level of master's degree or doctor they have, or how many people they've counseled, or how many years they they've been in the ch- in the church ministry. That's not the power of prayer. The power of prayer is limited to the power of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit has no limit in His power. And so, if we will seek God, let our eyes be opened up. Our prayers will become more powerful than they've ever been.